All right, Justin. I've got, I think, what is the greatest song question I could ask you. Sing me a song that you would think would be considered unpopular that you actually like. Or vice versa. Sing a song that's popular that you fucking hate. Hmm. Let's go with that that song. It's I think it's annoying. In farmer, you know, I think you move down. Oh, wow. I think you move down. In Why do I still hear that sometimes? You just attacked Canada. <laughs> I hate it. I hate that song. And I don't know why it pops up every now and then. I, it's old. Die. Please. Not only. It's so annoying, but it's, but it's considered a classic. Not only is it snowing in the greatest, in the greater Chicagoland area, you just went after snow itself. Well, himself. <laughs> you just went after snow and Canada, which I, I actually, that song fucking sucks. Like, let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck yeah. likes hey, that song? Informer, I just had to inform you. You suck, man. You suck, man. <laughs> like, Informer sounds like a shitty 12-year-old white kid trying to do a Sean Paul impression. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it's just quintessential 90s. I mean, all it really needs is, like, a lot more belt buckles and some X's and Z's added to the name, and I think it would have worked better. It would have been even more nineties, <laughs> but no, that'll, that'll work. Um, and since Heather has to play the game every once in a while too, Heather do the same thing. Oh boy. I was trying to think of one while you were talking. Cause I figured you might ask, um, either a song that I hate that's very popular or, or a, a song, song that's that... not popular or that's hated that you like. Right. Okay. Um, Man, this is hard. And I should be able to think of one because there's so many. Um, um, what is that? I can't think of the tune of it now, but it's the new song for the Bad Boys movie that just came out. The uh, oh, I Now no. I can't think of it. It's the Black Eyed Peas song that just came out for the new Bad Boys movie. Wait, it was Black Eyed Peas? They're still a fucking thing? They, they kind of re-came out of you know retirement or whatever they were doing to do this song. And I can't think of what that... Do you know what I'm talking about, Justin? I can't think... I know it's on the radio all the time. I'm um, trying to think. Man. What is the name? I'm going to look up the name of it, but I just... I know that it's like... It's a really popular song right now, and I have to change it every time because I'm like, this is annoying. It's kind of like they redid an old song and tried to make it like new again or something. Um, I'll look it up while you go, Sterling. Oh, I'm not fucking because doing I want to... I don't I have to hear... play the game. That's the whole point of being on this side is I don't have to play the game. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to sing it. You can just say it. I mean, that's the thing is I am rather apathetic when it comes to music. Like I'm insanely uh -huh. apathetic. Like I know, I know that what that new Justin Bieber song yummy gets a ton of hate <laughs> and I'm just, it's fine. Like that's honestly where I end up falling on most music. It's fine. Like I don't care enough to really like care because I don't, I don't listen to the radio, and I think that's why. I listen to podcasts more than anything out there. And mm -hmm. oddly enough, I listen to sports podcasts probably more than anything. But, like, I listen to podcasts. I don't listen to music. So if I ever end up hearing a song I like, I'll buy it on iTunes, and then it just lives on my phone. And I'll listen to it kind of whenever I want. That's why, still to this day, I can bop to Call Me Maybe. 
and I am not <laughs> tired of it at all. That is a good one. Because I absolutely um, love that song because I only listen to it whenever the fuck I want to listen to it. And I think that's why. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I don't get tired of these popular songs or anything like that because I only listen to them when I want to hear them. Since I, since I listen to podcasts in the car or when I'm walking around or anything like that, I don't have to worry about it. So all these songs that people are, like, tired of, nope, still fucking love them, and it's great. Yeah. By the way, the name of that song is Rhythm of the Night. This is the rhythm of the night. But then they, like, make it really annoying, and they say, this is the rhythm, 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 and for, oh. like, five minutes. It's crazy. <laughs> it's very annoying. I, I need I, to listen to that because it sounds terrible. I have no idea. <laughs> just for what you described. That could just be me singing it, but it's not much better than that. <laughs> and see, the funny thing is, is I'm probably going to go listen to it and go, eh, it's fine. Like, <laughs> I know like everybody had issues. Yeah. What was it? A couple of years ago when like Maroon 5 was, do, uh, did the Super Bowl halftime show. I gave zero fucks because my stance on their music is, eh, it's fine. And I'm just okay. Like you, they can put whatever they want on there. I don't care. I'm just going to go, eh, it's fine. And that's just like my stance on 95% of all music is it's fine. Except for IPC. Fuck them. They're stupid. <laughs> anyway, that's enough of that. Let's get into this. Oh dear. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayer podcast. We are doing a fun episode today. Uh, we are going to talk about um, unpopular TV and movie-related opinions of ours. Uh, I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And uh, yeah, so sit back and relax and probably, you know, get ready to hate at least one of us, probably me. Uh, so we're going to go with Justin, who started this topic. Uh Justin, what about you? What's an what's an unpopular opinion from you? Okay, and I know this is gonna probably uh, rub people the wrong way, and especially uh, being a, a black guy, I know that there are gonna be people that go, "Oh man, how could you have that opinion?" But I know where you're going and say it. <laughs> He's like, I know what you're gonna say. I absolutely hate the the Tyler Perry. Knew it. Medea movies. <laughs> I <laughs> I hate them. Like I just I can't watch them ever. I think that they're silly. The plot is just almost the same. It just feels like no matter what I'm watching, Diary of a Mad Black Woman or or just any of them, you know, like I just can't get into them. They're I feel like it's a copy and pasted kind of story on uh, for each one of them i just have never ever liked these movies and the and, and let me preface that by saying before i go any further on the rant i, I just want to start off by saying now this doesn't mean that i don't like or don't respect tyler perry the person tyler perry has a remarkable story i mean when you just hear 
his story about living in a car and not having anything and then having these plays and these uh the the these different plays and this Medea character and g- coming from nothing and the rags to riches story and now the man has his own movie studios and things like that so i can't hate on tyler perry the man I, i'm actually inspired by that story but my god man I know you're better than this, man. I know you can make better movies than this. And these silly Medea movies, I never laugh at them. I'm just sitting there going, oh, my God, man, this is not funny. I never had a grandmother who acted like this. I just I just don't get them. Like, and I don't know. Like, and then it's weird because it's always the most awkward thing when I'm at family reunions or I'm around like other people and they go, oh man, remember that part on Medea's family reunion when this happened? And it's so hard for me to like fake smile or cringe or, you know, or not cringe. And it, it, it like when people name parts of it or when people used to, and I don't see many Medea memes as much anymore, but even memes with Medea and them used to annoy me. Like I just, I just do not like those movies. And I feel like just they're, they're just awful. I just don't like them at all. And I get that there are some with, uplifting messages and things like that and i get that tyler perry is um that that there are messages in those movies that are important but i just don't like them man i just don't like how they go i never think the characters are memorable it's always some successful woman or successful man has issues things happen Medea is somehow involved and then they resolve the issues i mean they're just not very deep movies and what really upsets me about it is that people love these movies like these movies when they would come out he would make a ton of money on these movies and they would do exceptionally well at the box office but what upsets me though is that other black directors and filmmakers like Spike Lee will drop movies and these same people won't go see them. Uh, other g- g- actors, um, Denzel Washington, other people will be in these great movies and we don't go see them. The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Man, I love that movie. And I know that a lot of these people who love the Tyler Perry movies and stuff like that, they'll watch that stuff. They'll stream that stuff. But man, there are just some other great black films out there that I feel like don't get the love that his movie gets. And I get his movies are lighter. They're a little more presentable, I guess. They're, and people... Uh, find them funny and and entertaining and everything like that. But man, there's other stuff out there that I feel should be getting more credit than his films. And that I think upsets me even more. You know, it's one thing to like his movies, but to think that they are some of the best out there over some of these other great black films that are out there and all these other black filmmakers that are just killing it. I just can't get down with that. So, yeah, there's uh, my unpopular opinion. Number one, I despise those movies and I don't hardly talk about it. I try to keep it to myself. But hey, man, we're being honest tonight. So there you go. Justin, I have probably never agreed with you more on anything than that. <laughs> like there is not a single 
Tyler Perry movie, TV show, anything that I have seen or watched or anything with and enjoyed myself. But on the flip side of that, he is an incredible, like inspirational person. And yeah, I just hope that he gets to make shit until forever. I don't want him to stop making a damn thing. I don't want to see any of it, but I hope it doesn't stop. Yeah. And I'm, 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 you should be happy though, Justin. Medea's dead. <laughs> that, that is true. He did <clears throat> kill the character. And I want to say there was even an interview or something that he did. Somebody was telling me about where he actually admitted that he was tired of that character. Oh, yeah. I was that. kind of happy. Yeah, that he was happy to put that character to rest. So maybe I'm not even saying anything that is already dear to his heart. Maybe he knows. Maybe, you know, I would like to think he knows. <laughs> like uh, that, that that character and those movies are kind of, I, I want to say somewhere in his mind, he understands the success. He knows that that's what got him there. He will always be grateful for those ideas and what he was able to accomplish with that. But I want, I just want to believe that in his heart, if I got him in a room by himself and I was like, hey man, those aren't good movies, are they? I just I have a feeling he would say, no, they're not. But hey man, they got you have to start somewhere they got me to where i am today i'm grateful for him i just feel like he would honestly tell me that or he would be like get the hell out of here who are you but either way <laughs> i, I, I want to believe he'd be completely heart, valid in saying that too that. like yes and he would be completely valid to do that too but i want to believe that he knows that that he knows like deep down in his soul he knows and understands but as you said no he should definitely keep making movies because his story and what he represents and what he is is important it's not only important to the film industry but i think it's important to society to have somebody have that kind of story and to be a black man and to have made it that far in the film industry and hell having his own studio and producing his own film so again yeah keep on making movies man even though i may not be one that appreciates them and that's why this is an unpopular opinion but that doesn't mean he needs to stop making them nah man i totally agree with you on that that was a great thing that you said I mean, maybe you can also look at it as one of those like necessary evil things where, you know, he had to do what he had to do with Medea to get to where he is. And now there's a significant like cultural and inspirational benefit to what he's able to do now, just because he did that for so long. Now you're going to be able to see like the actual dividends of, of, of fixing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Definitely. And it's not like he's the only actor, filmmaker, person like that who started doing low level or maybe lower quality stuff before they were able to really kind of, you know, pop their pop their fingers and really get down to some uh, quality filmmaking. He wouldn't be the the first person so it's not like this doesn't happen with other filmmakers or other actors i mean you can look at an actor's filmography and early then a lot of times the early work is not the greatest stuff you know it, it it's part of that growth in hollywood everybody's got to start somewhere um and shoot if he called me and was like hey man i got this movie medea rises from the grave and i want you to be in it shoot i'd probably be in it 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, let's not let's be real. And you got to start somewhere. But no, uh, no. But but I totally get the significance of him. And and that's why I wanted to say that, like, it's it's important to know that even though I don't like his films, I totally appreciate who he is and what he is to Hollywood. Yeah, I agree with that, because I I mean, I haven't seen I wouldn't say a ton of his films, but I've seen a few <laughs> like the when I was younger and I was in college, you know, it was just like, oh, yeah, this is amazing, you know, because you just feel like, oh, it's different than whatever you've seen before. And, um, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, I went to like a Christian college. And so everybody there was all about watching these movies. And, you know, he is a very inspirational person. And I appreciate what he does try to do in his movies. But I mean, you've got so many that are just like, not, I, they're not <laughs> as good as I think he had hoped they would be. But um, yeah, they're just very, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you, Justin. And but I also with the same tone also like he's a he's a great person he's a very great person and what he does is important so i agree with all of that actually all right well what about for you what's an unpopular opinion on your side on my side well okay so (laughs) the first one that i thought of because i hear this all the time as somebody who likes romantic comedies um so many people i know are just they keep saying that the notebook is the greatest love story ever And I hear it all the time. And for me, I was just like, what? So my unpopular opinion is The Notebook is not at all the greatest love story ever in film. It's just not. I mean, I can just think of a handful of other ones that are better. It's not a bad movie. And it's I understand the parts of it that people think are, you know, really good and why people say it is such a great and amazing and beautiful love story. But for me, I just feel like... It's not, I mean, not that it was like a forced relationship, but I feel like a lot of it was a lot of like, we're young kids and we don't know what we're doing yet, but then we get forced apart. And then because of the idea of what we think we had, we're just going to hold on to that for forever and never be able to live normal lives kind of thing, you know? And I feel like that's, I mean, she had a really good, decent guy that she was going to marry who was always there for her and always supportive no reason to like not go through that marriage except for she was holding on to this other guy and yes I get it you know if you're still in love with somebody then you're in love with them but just the way they even told the story I just feel like I don't know they I just feel like they made it seem like everything they did in this movie was so just romantic and magical when I've just seen other love stories and romantic comedies or romantic movies, at least, that are like far better than that one. So that's my unpopular opinion. Well, you guys are two for two with shit I agree with, except I'm going to go further and just say, fuck the notebook. It's garbage. I mean, (laughs) the relationship in that movie is fucking terrible. You have a guy in person threatened to commit suicide to get a girl to go out with him exactly he's a terrible person that's fucking garbage if you did that today you would you talk about how that person's fucking terrible and emotionally manipulative yep like he knows she's all happy like after they get all split up and shit she knows he knows she's pretty much happy and like living her life and he's gonna go 
Like he intentionally makes the decision to go fuck it up just because, you know, yeah. he wants to be a dick. I fucking yeah. think like that that he, relationship. He wants to be. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, it's like he, he cares more about being happy than he cares about her being happy, even though he tries to make it seem like he wants her happiness. It's just a lot of his actions feel like, no, he just wants what he wants. So He wants her to be happy as long as it makes him happy. Right. Like, yeah. And I think you said the word, Sterling, manipulative. That's a great word that you said, because that's what I feel like. It feels like just different parts of the film. And as that relationship's going and yeah, like the whole committing suicide thing, like it's just very manipulative. You feel like this film is like, okay, yeah, you're going to like this part and oh, look at their love. And you're going to, it feels like one of those, you know? And so it just, the the scenes just ne I, nothing about it felt genuine to me like and, and so that's why when it when it makes a bunch of people's list like whenever when people are like oh but top romantic comedies and stuff like that which i'll probably do a list on that and i bet the notebook comes up a lot but like yeah man i just i don't even remember that movie when i'm thinking about like romance movies like at all because of that it just didn't feel genuine to me at all like, you know, those memes that were going around a few years ago where it'd be something random and stupid and it'd be like, still a better love story than this. And it showed like a picture from Twilight or something. I feel like you could legitimately yeah. have a picture from Twilight and then say, still a better love story than this and show the notebook. And they're both garbage. They're both terrible fucking examples of a relationships. But it, the, the reason why everybody gets so fucking like, I don't know, like mushy for the fucking notebook. I, I think solely hinges on the fact of the old people dying or whatever at the end. I don't remember what the fuck it was. Either the old man died or the old lady died or they both died together. I don't fucking know. One of them died at least. I don't really fucking remember because I don't give a shit. And like, I think that that's why everybody thinks it's so romantic is because they forget all the bullshit he put her through to get into that relationship. Because they just love how, in the end, he's sticking with her when she's all got, like, dementia and shit. Like, yeah. for all we know, she has dementia because he used to beat her for fucking up dinner. It wouldn't surprise me. But, like, that's it. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but, like, that's it. Because that's the only real loving part of that relationship is the end, you know. And for all we know, he's got, like, Munchausen's by proxy or whatever. So he's just loving the attention he gets for being the loving, doting husband of the dementia woman. I mean, we don't know. Right. Yeah. And it's it's just, it's all because of that scene at the end. It does, Isn't it just him that dies? Or is it both of them? I think she dies and then he dies shortly after. I thought, I thought he died and she was like, oh, who's he? I think that would have been a better ending if he died and she forgot who he was. But I mean, I, I, I think. I'm, I don't remember now. <laughs> I mean, let's just say they both die at the same time or whatever. That's an emotionally manipulative ending too. Because in all seriousness, what is the likelihood of that actually happening? Like slim to none. Yeah. So what does this movie do? It forces that ending just to make you go, oh, they were so in love that they died together. Because that's a real thing. <laughs> like it's just fucking, the, the, the movie and the relationship are both insanely emotionally manipulative. And I refuse to accept it as an actual genuine example of what a love story is. But Ryan Gosling does look good with a beard. I get that. <laughs> Man.
<laughs> yeah, you can't say nothing bad about Ryan Gosling's looks. And that's the thing. I like Ryan Gosling. <laughs> and I don't mind Rachel McAdams. I like her too, you know, a little Isn't bit. Isn't James Marsden so, in this too? You know, Isn't he the other like... guy? Isn't it James Marsden? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah, James Marsden. Yep. Yes, he is. But yeah, you know, I like them. But nah, man, this movie is not what everybody makes it. Stop putting it on your list, guys. You hear us? Stop putting it on there. Stop it. Anybody that says that's one of their <laughs> favorite like, romantic movies makes me insanely worried about their relationships. <laughs> All right. So is it my turn? Yeah. Here we go. I'm going to start this one actually a little soft. I know. I know somebody's going to expect me to talk about the Joker or, you know, about how it's incredibly shitty movie and shouldn't have made eight dollars and somehow it, it's the highest grossing radar movie of all time i don't know apparently taste means nothing these days but i'm gonna go for one that maybe a lot of people haven't heard of or it, it it's not not something that easily jumps to one's mind and mine is that ghostbusters 2 is insanely underrated and i say that because ghostbusters 2 gets always gets so much shit and it breaks my heart because it's an all-time classic to me has no one else heard that's this before? odd um I, no that that took me a minute like wait a minute uh, do people not like that film like is it or is it just one of those where they're like oh it's just it's a a, a bad sequel cash grab does it have like a, a reputation as being like a bad sequel yes it's constantly wow. brought up really? as like how inferior sequel like a sequel is to its like the original it is constantly shat upon, and I just don't understand why. It's it to me. It really is. It's one of my all time favorite movies. I watch Ghostbusters two almost as much as I watch Ghostbusters one. I just always <laughs> like fucking love it. Like some of my favorite things about Ghostbusters are from Ghostbusters two. I mean, yeah. It's so. All right. Here's some context for you, Justin. Rotten Tomatoes, 53%. Audience score, 61%. Wow. So that's not even a big of a gap. Damn. And you compare this to the original Ghostbusters, 97% critics, 88% audience. Which, who are the fucking audience members that don't like Ghostbusters? What the fuck? I thought everybody liked Ghostbusters. Apparently 12% of people on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> don't. But yes, so yeah, Ghostbusters 2 is, like I said, it's that's a huge drop-off from the original in both audience and critic uh, scores. And to me, like if you're giving Ghostbusters a 97, to me, Ghostbusters 2 is like a 94. Like, are some of the jokes a little lamer? Sure. It's hard, it's hard to strike like solid gold twice. But, I mean, it's like they found like nine tons of gold in the first one and found eight and a half tons of gold in the second one. They still, they still did a good job. It's just not quite as good. But like the courtroom scene <laughs> in Ghostbusters 2 is one of my absolute favorite things ever. I love everything about that courthouse scene. And then like the shit with Vigo. I thought just, I love it. I truly do. And it's just like so much so that it's hard for me to put into words because the way I feel about that movie is just so purely emotional that when other people don't feel the same way about it, I really do have a hard time understanding it. Like it really just doesn't compute in my head. I can't process negative feelings towards that movie. 
But yeah, it's something I've heard Man, numerous times. I just times. had no clue. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, that's a surprise to me. I did I had no clue that that second one had such a bad reception. Like, I always enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. You know, I, I agree that it's not as good as the original, but we've all said that. I think we all agree on that. But, you know, like you said, it's hard to strike gold twice. But, man, that kind of a drop-off, to me, that's like uh that's almost as if you would have thought the sequel came out and they recasted it and had different actors playing certain characters and they couldn't get everybody back and a different person uh, wrote the script. And, you know, that, I mean, man, that kind of a drop off you would expect for a sequel like that. It's crazy that because it had the same kind of witty humor and Bill Murray and Sigourney Weaver killed it, I thought. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. That's a that's a surprise to me. I didn't realize it had that kind of a negative reception. That's a surprise to me. Yeah, it really is just such a drastic change. And like you said, you know, like, yeah, the, not all the jokes hit as well as they did in the first one. But I feel like just so many of them still do, though, you know, like and it's 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 to me, it's so, it's so much of the subtle humor in it, because those are my favorite things about the first Ghostbusters are like the subtle jokes. And I mean, and or like, the, you know, the jokes that just come out of nowhere, that it's just like a quick line of dialogue and they just instantly move past it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the jokes in, in, in Ghostbusters, too, is like whenever they're they're re going to talk to the mayor. And they're like, well, just so you know, at least 50% of us voted for you this year. Like, that's a great joke considering, you know, what happened in the first movie and the aftermath leading into this movie and stuff like that. I thought it was a great little subtle joke. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of comes in real quick and goes, you know. And like in that fucking scene where they're spraying the fucking, you know, uh, spraying the uh, Statue of Liberty down and that music is playing. How do you not get amped for that? I wish I was in New York at that time because I would have been in the streets fucking cheering them on. I always amped in that scene when the Statue of Liberty is like fucking walking down the street and shit. Love it. And then like, especially now going back and watching it now because I watched it as a kid and like watching it now, then there's some of the more adult style jokes that you get more now and it's even better. Like, I don't know how my love for this movie could have <laughs> increased from when I was a kid to as an adult, but it does. Man, and, and the Jello jokes, oh, I think, I feel like that's like the originator of the Jello jokes of the, you know, oh, I hate Jello. And the, there's always room for Jello. That's where it started. Whether or not that's true or not, I don't care. Because to me, it is. But yeah, somehow, just Ghostbusters 2 is like one of the first movies, or it's considered like one of the originators of bad sequels. And I've just never understood why. Yeah, I, I mean, I know for, <laughs> I, I remember Ghostbusters 2 actually just more than the first one. Like, I don't know if maybe I saw it more when I was a kid, but I rem that one stands out to me more for sure. I like the second one too. I, for whatever reason, when people say Ghostbusters, the first scenes that I think of are from that second movie. So I'm on board. I get it. And that scene at the beginning where they're just like running around doing birthday parties and everybody's just cheering for He-Man. <sighs> love it. Just love it. <laughs> but... All right, we can move along. We'll go We'll go in reverse now. So, uh, Heather, what's another unpopular opinion for you? Okay, so another unpopular opinion I had was um, I was thinking about the movie A Star is Born, uh, which came out in 
2018. Uh, love that movie. Everything in it was really good. And I loved uh, Lady Gaga in it a lot. But I honestly, I, I don't know that I think that she was the best performance in that movie. I honestly think Bradley Cooper was the best performance in that movie. Not to say that hers was bad because she was phenomenal and everything she did was fantastic. But just when it comes to like the range and emotion and everything and some of the scenes, like I just think Bradley Cooper stole that. So I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm the only one that thinks that because I know everybody was like, you know, worshiping Lady Gaga for her performance and they should because it was worth that. But I just think he was completely underrated in his performance. And I think that he should have gotten a lot more credit for the role that he played. So that's another one for me. I can uh, definitely see some of that. Uh, Just because I think that sometimes when you get an unexpected good performance from an actor or actress, sometimes the publicity that that gets or the attention that that gets because this person just kind of came out of nowhere and was unexpected. Uh, sometimes I do think that maybe sometimes that the, the attention drawn to that sometimes overshadows the other people surrounding the project that also did a great job too, or arguably a better job. Kind of like what you're saying in this case, like Bradley Cooper was amazing in that. I mean, he was absolutely amazing in that movie. So I totally get that sentiment. I totally get where you're coming from with that, because a lot of those scenes, man, his his presence and his charisma and like the the chemistry that he had with her. Yes, she was definitely there. She had to do her part as well. But yeah, man, a lot of that movie, man, he just had some really gut wrenching, just heartbreaking scenes, and 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 he and he did. Uh, mm. a, a wonderful job and really seemed like another musician. You know, I, w- I would have thought that that fool was a career musician, like the way he was acting in that film and the way how yeah. well he delivered alongside her. And you're right. I think that um, not enough credit is given to that because remember, he's the actor playing a musician. She is a musician. So, you know, and I do think that sometimes we, especially with that movie, the, you look at her and go, oh, man, you know, she's not she doesn't do much acting, but, she, you know, she's a musician. She's a performer. And look how great she did. But you're right. L- looking at it the opposite way, though. Well, Bradley Cooper is an actor, but look how much he's look how much he seemed like a legit musician next to a career musician so yeah i see where you're coming from with that that maybe his performance was undervalued in that film yeah and he just because he so embodies that character like i mean just pretty much studying as much as he did to to play the guitar and learn how to play it and then studying Sam Elliott's voice, his brother in the movie, his voice enough to kind of sound like him in that movie. And just the, I just feel like how much he transformed in that, like it just really showed. And I just think he did not get enough credit for everything he put into that performance. Uh, I, I don't think you're wrong at all, really. I feel like 
Bradley Cooper had to legitimately kind of transform himself in this role. He had to, you know, learn how to play guitar. He learned how to talk like Sam Elliott um, to make it more believable that he was his brother. Um, you know, all these things. Whereas I kind of feel like Lady Gaga was portraying a version of herself, you know? Yeah. And so while she did a phenomenal job, it's a lot easier to kind of play yourself than it is to transform like that. And I think one reason why Lady Gaga does shine so much for that role is because you did have Bradley Cooper there too. I think mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say she's like, I mean, it's just, it's a lot easier to stand out when your foundation that you're like more or less standing upon is Bradley Cooper in that role. You know, when mm-hmm. he's holding you up and I mean, honestly, like I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that like, since Bradley Cooper did direct this one and everything like that too. And like, he's the one that championed for her and stuff like that. So like, I think in every way, shape or form, Bradley Cooper set her, her up to succeed either way, you know, being the director, being, you know, her co-star, everything like that, by just having the director slash co-star, you know, lead the charge for you, no matter what anyone was saying. I think that really kind of helped. I don't want to say embolden her, but like boost her confidence either way, you know, Whereas if you didn't have that and say it was someone else and her and it wasn't as you know big of a movie or whatever, I don't think, I think she would have done a great job, but it just wouldn't have stood out like it did. And I think just, I think just he molded himself and just expertly, you know, balanced with her to where even like, to me, they almost become indistinguishable of like how their performances are because I think they're so like symbolic, uh, symbolically, no, symbiotically intertwined, like in those roles together that like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think she shines more because of him, but I think also yeah. he benefited from the chemistry he had with her. I don't know if we necessarily would say, you know, say if this was Bradley Cooper and I don't know, Reese Witherspoon. Would we say it's the same thing? Would it be the same? You know, would we say right. Bradley Cooper was as no, good that's as he true. was? I think they're just so much intertwined that I think that, you know, even if they had done the exact same performance they did, but with someone else, I don't think either one of them would get the credit that they do because they did it together. You know, I guess that's true. Yeah, because that chemistry was kind of unmatched by anything. And yeah, I, I could see that. Maybe I could say like, he should have been as equally as acknowledged as she was. Maybe not like, oh, he was better, but definitely underrated for what he did, I think. Yeah. Oh, I, I think underrated is still very a very valid point towards him. Because yeah. when people bring up that movie, they give her the accolade. And right. I think I think they should just be equally distributed amongst the two. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that what you said about the fact that Bradley Cooper directed this, I, I was going to say that too, like, she benefited a lot, not only from him as a co-star, but his directing. And like you said, he wanted her for this. He picked her for this. And even a lot of the nuances of her character uh, was Lady Gaga, like her kind of being um, a little subconscious about her looks and different things like that and going through the the music industry and people going, well, I mean, your face kind of this and that. And I know that she has gone on record before and said that those were struggles that she had getting in the music industry and stuff like that. And you can't tell me that 
when Bradley Cooper was writing this character, or who knows, maybe he just added that so she would be more comfortable. You know, like th there could be a lot of things in there where he was just like, and I'm not saying all that Bradley did everything and all she had to do was show up, but I'm sure that he made sure that this character matched her in a lot of ways so that that stretch, her acting and, and what she had to do wasn't as hard of a stretch as if she just came on set and we're like, okay, we picked you and okay, this is what we want this character to do. All right, Lady Gaga, do it. You know, I think that, like you said, I think that he made sure that this was a role that fit her and this was a role that complimented her so much. And she had to have benefited from his directing, his patience, and the fact that he handpicked her for this role. So the fact that he was the director, I totally get where Heather's coming from because I mean, sometimes I think that fact is even lost in it. People are just like, oh yeah, Lady Gaga, man, she did great, man. That was a great, that was a turn for her. And that's what I mean. Because she's not somebody that you see in a lot of movies and things like that, Th that's where the attention kind of immediately goes. But man, Bradley Cooper was behind the camera and in front of the camera handling that shit. So, yeah, yeah I totally get where you're coming from. All right. Want to move on to another one? Yes. All right, Justin, go. Okay. I don't know if you were going to go me or you in that on that reverse thing. Um, okay. So here's my second one. And I'm going to give um, our, uh, our other, uh, podcast partner that was in some of our earlier episodes, Devin Williams. And sometimes he does videos for us on our Facebook page and stuff. Um, and he was the one that first kind of just brought this uh, thought to light. But the more I thought about it, he kind of put it out there. And the more I thought about it and the more I kind of uh, bounced around with this idea, the, the more I began to kind of believe it, man. And so I'm just going to throw this out there. But this is about the Joker and not specifically the Joker movie, because, yes, that came out and we heard all the accolades. And I'm sure uh, and I know we all know that Sterling has some good, some wonderful feelings about the Joker film that came out recently this last year. Yeah. Fuck that but, movie. Um, but this is really a. <laughs> there you go. But this is a rant about the Joker character. I don't think I get why these actors get credit for, for playing the Joker. I get the accolades. This is a character that has been played by two different actors and twice have won Academy Awards for this character. Uh, the, the the Jack Nicholson performance is also considered a great performance, a classic performance. Uh, ba ba Batman 89 is a film that a lot of people list as a top DC movie. I mean, shoot, I had it on my list, you know, uh, when people are listing like top DC films and stuff like that. Batman 89 is one of those that usually comes up on a list. Uh, the Kevin Conroy who voices the, the Joker character. A lot of people think that th that that's the best Joker. Um, a, a lot of people think that that's the, um, the, 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 the best Joker and everything like that. They say that the voice work that was done on that, that's the best Joker. Um, 
shoot, I've even heard people say that the guy who played the the, the Joker in the old uh, slapstick uh, Batman the show with Adam West, who was that actor that played the Joker in that? I, man, I can't remember. I should have like got the list of all the Jokers, but I've even heard people give that actor props uh, for playing the Joker. But my point is, is that it seems like with the exception of uh, who played him in Suicide Squad, that was uh, Jared Leto. Oh, my gosh. Yes, Jared Leto. But it seems like with the exception of the Jared Leto performance, everybody just loves anybody who plays the Joker. So it got me thinking, is the Joker character really that hard to play? <laughs> is he really? No. Like, is he really that difficult? Is it that difficult of a task to play this character? Like, I mean, because the palette is so open to what you can do. And it doesn't seem like it matters what anybody does. Whether it's the gangster Joker, whether he's the funny haha Joker, whether it's the Arthur Fleck version of the Joker who I'm mad at the world and I want to kill everybody, or whether it's the Heath Ledger anarchist Joker. Everybody just loves the Joker. So how hard is it to play this character, man? Like, and I'm just so sick of seeing this character. Like, like. Can somebody else get, can we get somebody else up in there? Can we get like a more serious, darker Riddler up in here? Can we get, I mean, hell, I would even take another Penguin. I don't think that Danny DeVito is the end-all, be-all of the Penguin. I would like to see that character played again. I would like to see a Clayface. Give that a go. You know, uh, to me, Harvey Dent is a much more layered like Batman character that would be tough to play, you know? And I, and I think that um, like that the people who played that, who attempted that character, that's a tough character to play because you have the Harvey Dent and then you have the Two-Face and you have that change and that transition that that character went through. Like that's a tough character to play. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger did a terrible job as Mr. Freeze, right? Like that was just awful and it was it was slapstick. And a lot of that is because the movie was just whatever. But Mr. Freeze, man, a serious like tragic. I lost my wife and I've got her in this machine, Mr. Freeze. Like that to me would be a much more nuanced, much tougher character to play than the Joker. And I'm already hearing rumors that this new Robert Pattinson Batman is that 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 the villain's going to be the Joker. And I don't know how true that is. It's not like I've done tons of research, but can we enough with the Joker, man? Like, because it seems like no matter what Joker is played, people are just going to love it. And I'm starting to wonder, are we loving the performances because they're just that great and that tough? This is just such a difficult character to play. Or do we love these performances because we love this character? You know, what's really starting to happen here? And why does he get so much love and i'm starting to wonder if a lot of that love is even warranted because if every joker is good except jared leto then what exactly are we saying here so that would be my next one as an unpopular opinion i mean you're not wrong because it I, well you are wrong about one thing uh as far as far as i know the joker is not in the new robert pattinson uh the batman um 
Oh, okay. He's not? No. Maybe that was just a rumor. Man, what I man. heard, they're doing Long Halloween. That's what it is. The, okay. The story is Long oh, Halloween. Okay. Um, so, I mean, uh, but the thing is with the Joker, to me, that playing the Joker is just like writing uh, Wolverine. Fan favorite characters. Everybody loves Wolverine. Everybody loves the Joker, all the shit. Do you know why those characters are so easy to write or to play or anything like that? Because you could do whatever the fuck you want to them. You know, everybody's talking about how groundbreaking and all this shit that this new Joker movie was. Motherfucker, that's not the Joker. Just because you make him a fucking clown and he calls himself the Joker, bam, that makes him the Joker. The problem is, is well, that's not the Joker. Technically, sure, the fuck it is. Like, because you could just do whatever you want to the character and just say, yep, it's the Joker. Same with Wolverine. You can do whatever the fuck you want with the character. Like physically, emotionally, mentally, you can put him through whatever trials you want. Because if you want to do it in the past, you can just be like, oh, he forgot about it. Or, oh, look, he healed from it. Or, oh, look, he did this. Oh, this was an experiment from these people. Oh, this was a mind wipe by this person. You can just do the same thing with the Joker. Like, this Joker is an anarchist. This Joker is uh, a pathetic human. This Joker is uh, a sex fiend. This Joker is uh, a mobster that laughs a lot. You know, you can just do whatever you want. And technically, you'll probably line up with a version of Joker that has happened in the comics. Like, it's all over the place. And in doing so, that's why most people end up loving it. Because they just do one version of the Joker. Like, here's this version of the Joker, you know? Oh, this one's more like the Killing Joke Joker. This one's like the, yeah, you know, this Joker. That, like, it's all over the place, you know? And as long as they kind of roughly think that they've seen that version of the Joker or they're, they're kind of familiar with that version of the Joker. People just accept it. But like at this point, like you said, playing the odds, why have we had more bad Batman than we've had bad Jokers? Yeah, because he's a much tougher character to play. <laughs> you know, I think that's gotta be part of it, you know? But like you said, like a Mr. Freeze, like, or like, what about another version of the Riddler, which supposedly we're getting in this new movie or yeah, like you said, another version of the penguin, uh, just like there's all these other characters and yet I'm, and I understand the anti Batman is the Joker. I get it. So ultimately anytime you're doing a Batman franchise, whether it's like three movies or four movies or something like that, you're going to end up getting to the Joker at some point. I get that you have to, because he is the anti Joker or I mean, the Joker is the anti Batman, you know, that's like doing a series of X-Men movies and never getting to Magneto. But Every time the Joker comes into a movie, like DC fans or Batman fans, are, it becomes the end-all be-all. Whenever they throw the Joker in, that's it. That's peak Batman to them. And I'm like, yes, the dynamic between the Joker and Batman is great, but it severely limits Batman as a character. Anytime you just automatically have him peak against the Joker. It's bonkers. That's what I'm saying. It's bonkers. <laughs> yeah, and it just feels like whatever the the person does to do this acting, because like even in this previous, uh, this latest Joker film, like a, a lot of this was Joaquin Phoenix improving, and you know, then don't get me wrong, he he won the Oscar, I get it. Yes, he did some great acting in the film. Now, you certainly you may not agree, but uh, okay, I'll I'll give it to him. Joaquin Phoenix is a great actor, and he he performed. He did his performance, but man, like 
wouldn't it be harder though? Like if there was a specific, like, could he do all that improv if he had to play the Batman character? Or can you do all that improv and like, if you had to play like somebody like Mr. Fraser or whatever, I just feel like the Joker palette on what he can be is just so wide open and ambiguous that a lot about that character is ambiguous. His origins are kind of ambiguous. His and unknown. His, you know, there's just a lot of characteristics to this thing where it allows for a lot of improvisation. It allows an actor to just kind of do what he wants to do and it's okay because it like you said it's just gonna fall somehow into some of these jokers and if they're all good except one and in that one he was a minor character he like was not in a lot of scenes and stuff like that who knows if he had got if he had been a major character you'd probably have a lot of people saying it was all right i mean we just didn't get to see enough of that joker the leto joker or whatever and the movie was just bad but i mean there may be reasons for that beyond the fact that he just had a bad performance you know what i mean so if all of these performances are good the voice work is good the guy that did it in 1966 was good the 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 person who did it last year is good well then damn <laughs> what i mean can you do a bad job when he's the main character you know has there been a bad joker when well, he's a main character a lead character I'm you gonna, know i'm i'm even going to argue that it's impossible to say really whether or not Jared Leto's Joker is bad or not, because apparently yeah, they've shot so much footage that there's like an extra hour and a half of just Joker shit that's not in the movie. And that movie is such a mm. fucking mess. How can you really say what he did wasn't right? Maybe just the way they fucking sloppily threw yeah. that fucking movie together is why he comes across as a bad Joker. Maybe it's a fucking phenomenal Joker, but... They picked the scenes that kind of put it out of context and, you know, really don't show any of the nuance or whatever that he was using to portray the Joker. I mean, it's impossible to say. I thought Harley Quinn was garbage until the new Birds of Prey. And then all of a sudden, I, now I like her. I'm like, oh, well, shit. No, Suicide Squad just sucked so bad. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. That, that's such a great thing that you just said. Like, and that's true. Like, we didn't even get to, like you said, we, we just didn't get to see enough of it. So like you said, and like you said, if there's this hour of footage, dude, that's a lot of material. That's a lot of acting that we didn't get. get. So who's to say that that's bad? But so you almost can't, it's hard to even really count it. You know what I mean? Because for those reasons and in the film, He's played like he's just this minor side note kind of character. So that's hard to kind of judge, you know what I mean? But when you look at all these other Jokers where he's the lead character, where he's side by side with Batman, all of those performances are heralded as good, but they're all like completely, uh, how are any of them similar other than He's in makeup, he's where you know, he's in makeup, he's got the the zany clothes, and he's the Joker, and he's fighting against Batman. None of those performances are similar to each other at all. Like, none. So that's such an open palette that when are we get just gonna start? I mean, so you might as well just as soon as we see that the Joker movie is coming out or the Joker's gonna be the lead character in a movie, well, I mean 
at what point do we start saying, well, it's probably people are probably sure are going to like it because it's the Joker. It seems like that's where we should be by this time because we just like everything, right? Because we just like everything Joker. Well, at what point are we going to realize that playing the Joker, any version of him, even like the crazy anarchist from Dark Knight or the Arthur Fleck version from the Joker or even the Heath Ledger version or I'm sorry, not Jared Leto version or the Jack Nicholson version. When are we going to realize that those are just overly glorified versions of characters that are serial killers from like a show like criminal minds that these, they have a new person every week. Come play a serial killer. They can be just as twisted and scary (laughs) and crazy as the fucking Joker in these movies. Yet there's no accolades on those people. I mean, what really is different about some of these people than the Joker? Like, when are we going to start stop glorifying people playing serial killers and being kind of creepy at it? Like, I'm going to go on a limb, and this is an unpopular opinion that ties into yours that is not even mine. Ah, I don't think Anthony Hopkins is great as Hannibal Lecter. And that's because I think he is Hannibal Lecter. Hmm. I see what you mean by that. I see what you did there. Yeah, he's just a creepy fuck. And I, I'm sure Anthony, Sir, Sir Anthony Hopkins, don't mean to disrespect him. Sir Anthony Hopkins, I'm sure, is probably a lovely human being. But he's got kind of a creepy serial killer face. And he's got kind of a creepy serial killer voice. And if you told me tomorrow that Anthony Hopkins eats people, I wouldn't be surprised by that. (laughs) It's just, and that's all we do. But seriously, what the fuck is different than that than somebody playing a serial killer on a TV show? You know, how many fucking TV shows out there do we have of people playing fucking serial killers? It's, it's, It's all the same shit. It's just people putting on a creepy face and then filming and saying they did creepy bad things. And somehow, <laughs> if you do it as the Joker, you're an amazing actor. Or if you do it as Hannibal Lecter, you're an amazing actor. But, you know, James Vanderbeek does it for an episode of, of, of Criminal Minds and nobody gives a shit. And I thought he did a fantastic job. Yeah, he did. Because I do love me some James Vanderbeek. But nothing. It's just we glorify these characters in weird ways. And I don't understand it. Because to me, the, the Joker is no different than, than Hannibal Lecter, other than the fact that one looks like a clown. I, I get that, man. I just, I totally get it. And like, man, there are just other characters in Batman's rogues gallery that I think would be a much harder challenge to play because they don't too much deviate and have just all of these crazy different versions. Now, there are different versions of character. You know, Batman's been around a long time, so I'm not going to act like there's only one Penguin or one Harvey Dent. But for the most part, the nuances and what they are is pretty similar. You know what I mean? But that to me is, is like a role. Like Mr. Freeze, you would have to nail that. You would have to nail that, you know? Like the Arnold Schwarzenegger, oh, chill out. Like all the one-liners and all that stuff. He didn't nail that character, man. That character is really sad, is really tragic, and really much more serious than that. You know what I mean? That's a character where you would have to nail that for people to come out and go, oh, man, that was a great Mr. Freeze. I just feel like it would be harder to do that. But Joker, you can kind of, you know, I'm not saying you you got to be a good actor. I mean, yes, you have to act and all of that. But I feel like you've got some liberties with that character that you don't have with some of the other ones. So, you know. I mean, and it also boils down to like what the characters are. 
a lot of Batman's rogues gallery are like opposites of aspects of him where you have like the Joker is the moral uh, flip side to him. Um, and then you have somebody like the Riddler who is like a mental rival to him or Bane, who is a physical rival to him or, you know, uh, a Ra's al Ghul that is like a tactical foil to him. Uh, Mr. Freeze is kind of a tragic backstory foil to him. Like they're both doing it out of lost loved ones in that way. Um, the two face, depending on the version of him is kind of the weird justice foil to him. You know, they all have these aspects that they relate to with Batman. And I just feel like it's always easier to constantly go for the moral flip to him instead of these other traits. Yeah. You know, like why didn't the Riddler work in Batman forever? Because they didn't really make him a mental foil to Batman. They didn't really make exactly, you know, him really like push Batman to a mental limit, you know, like, I mean, like you look at that, what that classic Batman, the animated series movie where, or uh, episode where, you know, the Riddler kidnaps that guy and he puts him in that maze and Batman has to go through the maze. Oh, that was wonderful. Or, or, or like you were talking about the, um, the, the Mr. Freeze, that animated movie they did with him. Oh man. Like it's, it's just one of these weird, like as much of a sympathetic figure is with Batman's backstory. So is Mr. Freeze. You know, they just went two different directions to try to rectify the emotional pain, you know? And so it's, it's things like that that get lost and it's just, it's so easy to just throw the Joker in there who is just a guy that's bad You because you don't have to put a backstory yeah. to him. You, like as much as, you know, they tried to give him a backstory in this Joker movie. They didn't. He's still just a bad guy in the end. Like, and you know, they're like, oh, society pushed him to it. No, the guy's just a shit face. Like the guy's just a terrible fucking person when it boils down to it. It wasn't that society pushed him to these limits and all this other bullshit. No, he was a garbage human being. Like that's all the Joker is. Just do some garbage shit. Like whatever a normal just person would do, just do the opposite. Like at a certain point, when are they going to require a Batman villain in a fucking movie to have some fucking nuance? And then anytime they try to do it, (laughs) they just get shat on because it's not the Joker doing it. Like I thought Bane in Dark Knight Rises is fantastic. I thought the Scarecrow and Ra's al Ghul in Batman Begins are fantastic. And while yeah, while, they are. While Heath Ledger did a fucking phenomenal job of playing that anarchist Joker, it really is just going, hey, whatever a normal person would do in this situation, do the shitty opposite version of it. It's like, hey, would you save this school bus of kids? I would as a person. And then they go, okay, then blow it up. And that was his Joker. Like that's all that is required of that Joker role. You know, like even even in the Joaquin Phoenix one, what do you do? When somebody makes fun of you, like, will you just ignore it and move on and, you know, try to, you know, and I understand there's all kinds of other mental issues that can affect you and whether or not, you know, you might go into a depression and all this other stuff. I totally get that. But at no point is the normal human thing to do is shoot the fucking person. So what do they do? Oh, we'll just do the opposite of what, you know, you should do. Shoot the person. Okay. Then he shoots them. That's not nuance. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not incredible story writing. There is no difference than him from him than any other fucking character in a Martin Scorsese movie. So like what, what really is the point? What envelopes are actually pushed? No, I'm totally right there with you. 
And maybe maybe it's just because maybe the yeah. Joker is just so overly utilized. Like, you know, even... you know, And I understand that, like, the Joker is, like, the number one villain to Batman. But he's not the only villain. And when you really look at Batman's rogues gallery, we've gotten such a small sample size, like, cinematically. You know, like you said, we've only gotten one real version of the Penguin. Like, we've only gotten one version of the Riddler. We've only gotten one real version of Bane. Because fuck that Batman and Robin version of Bane. Oh, God, no. Yeah, I like, agree. We've, one we've, one, we've, got, we've got one shitty version of Mr. Freeze. And we've had like 27,000 versions of the Joker. Yeah. I mean, at what point is it going to end? We've only had one Scarecrow. We've only had one Ra's al Ghul. And he's a wonderful character. We've only had one Talia al Ghul. Right. Yeah. And he's a wonderful character. And yeah, his daughter too. That that's a wonderful, wonderful character. And that's unfortunate that we've only had one of him, you know. I mean, we finally got a version of Black Mask, but that was in Harley Quinn. That was in Birds of Prey, you know? So I mean it's just when's there gonna be something else? Like show us the true depths of what Batman can be. And that's what has me so stoked about this new Batman movie. Being the long Halloween story, where there's so much mental and detectiveness going to go go on. I, I'm i fucking stoked that we're going to finally get that. If that's really what it is. Based on everything, every rumor I've heard, it's going to be a version of Long Halloween. And I cannot wait for that. Well, that makes me happy. And like I said, I hadn't done much research. I just kind of saw some stuff about a possible Joker going around. So I hadn't really done my homework on that. But no, when you said it's going to be Long Halloween, I was like, oh, hell yeah. I loved that. I love that graphic novel, man. I loved it. So, yeah, that makes me excited, too. And, yeah, I'm really excited for that. But, yeah, man, I think we just got to kind of, you know, hit the brakes on this Joker thing, man. Like, he's he's an iconic character. He's essential to Batman. But, man, is it really that tough to play this character when you've got so much you can do with it? It's just he's an open book. So it's almost like whatever's written, as long as he's got a paint on and laughs and (laughs) does bad shit, it just seems to be okay. It It really feels to me that the number one acting skill you need to play the Joker is just be able to laugh crazily on command. Other than that, they'll just fucking fill in the rest with whatever. But like, that's the number one acting skill you need because everything else is just his actions. Like, oh, we're going to make you evil because you're going to, you know, kill this person or you're going to beat up that person or anything else. That's all actions. That's all done through the story. As far as acting skills go, it's just be able to laugh like a crazy person. Bam, done. Joker. Oh, and I guess not be allergic to face paint. That's one of the other requirements. (laughs) You guys ready to move on to another one? Yeah. Yeah, I digress. Yeah, let's go. All right, I was going to go, like, Justin and Heather know what my next one was going to be. I'm not going to go there now. I think we had the big, big unpopular opinion with Justin, so I don't want to overload with what it's going to be, especially what I'm going to, what I was going to say, because that was probably going to really make people just not like me more than they do. So I'm going to switch it up a little bit and save it, so we can do another one of these. I'm doing that intentionally to make sure we can do another one of these. It's like the villain living at the end of a movie. We're doing it so we can have a sequel. <laughs> so I'm going to do one that's still mildly controversial that ties into something I just said. I'm really tired of these iconic, mostly British actors getting credit for being amazing actors when all they ever fucking do 
is play themselves. And I'm going to give three specific examples of this. One of them being one I already said was Sir Anthony Hopkins. Every fucking movie ever done is Sir Anthony Hopkins just playing a version of Sir Anthony Hopkins. He's either playing a serial killer like he is as Hannibal Lecter, or he's playing a guy that killed his wife in that movie he did with Ryan Gosling, or he's playing an old man that, I don't know, is doing something in Hearts of Atlantis. Fracture. Yeah, that Fracture movie, yeah. Or he's playing a guy from New Zealand that's trying to break a world speed record while still sounding very much like Anthony Hopkins and not somebody from New Zealand. Uh, another example of that to me is Sir Michael Caine. All Michael Caine does is play Michael Caine, which sometimes it works really well. Like in Alfie, I love the original Alfie. I think he's fantastic in that. But then tell me, what is the difference between that character and his character as the pilot in Jaws Revenge? One's a pilot. That's the difference. Other than that, same exact character. And then tell me, what's the difference between those two roles and his role as Austin Powers' father in the third Austin Powers movie? Because it's all the same. He's just kind of a <laughs> charming British guy that somehow fucks a lot. That's, that's Michael Caine. I still think he was doing a version of that as Alfred. He was just like, well... I stopped fucking a lot when I had to take care of Bruce. That's when I stopped fucking. But then whenever he, you know, Bruce was going to go do his Dark Knight Rises shit and he left, I really feel like Alfred was like, you know what? I'm done with this shit. You're an adult now. I'm going to go off and fuck again. And that's when he fucked off and, you know, went to wherever, France or wherever the fuck he went. You know, he just went off to go fuck again. And then finally, to me, the worst offender of all of them is Sean Connery. That motherfucker is Sean Connery every single fucking time, no matter what. Every, every single, 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 single time. Every time. He does nothing different. Oh, well, this is a really good tie-in because Sir Anthony Hopkins played a Spanish guy in Mask of Zorro, which was what? Anthony Hopkins with a fucking tan. And what? Do, where did he learn that skill from? <laughs> Sean Connery playing a Spaniard in what? Fucking uh, Highlander or an Egyptian out, whatever the fuck <laughs> he was in that movie. All I know is he was just them saying Sean Connery was another nationality. He wasn't. Or what? But Hunt for Red October. He was the most Scottish sounding fucking Russian ever. Like Sean Connery is nothing but Sean Connery, which sure that works for James Bond. Because all those movies were, were Sean Connery being Sean Connery. And that kind of works. Because I honestly can't tell you the difference between James Bond and Sean Connery. I don't like that version of Bond. I think <laughs> Daniel Craig's better. But, you know, that I can't really tell you the difference. If you were to tell me that in the 1960s, Sean Connery was also a spy that fucks a lot, I'd believe it. <laughs> but it's like these actors, and they're all knighted. They're all fucking knighted. And it blows my mind. Especially when you have people like Patrick Stewart, Sir Patrick Stewart, sorry, um, and Sir Ian McKellen, or even like newer actors, like a Hugh, well, I say Hugh Laurie, he's been around forever, but like you have a Hugh Laurie, you have a, a, a Daniel Craig, you have all these fantastic younger actors that can actually change their voice. Like that is a magical thing. Why the fuck? in acting is changing your voice a skill that's overlooked yeah. for like overlooked by these like old school actors like and it's one of the reasons why i have a lot of disdain for what is considered like cinema classics back in the day like the actor jimmy stewart 
I hate him so much. And that is because he is fucking Jimmy Stewart in every goddamn movie he's ever been in. And do you know what I don't like? Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> His little fucking stumbling over himself voice drives me fucking insane. And I understand. They like intentionally cast him to play those like everyman characters, you know, and all this other stuff. But like, fuck, could he form a complete sentence ever in his fucking life? Jeez, it's fucking grating on my brain every time that fucker speaks. I mean, and then you have some actors back in the day where it, it kind of works a little bit better. Like when you have like a, hum, uh, a Humphrey Bogart. Well, it kind of works because he's like, he's kind of like a suave motherfucker. So if you, as long as you just cast him as a suave motherfucker in all his roles, it kind of works. But like, and like, who's going to get mad at just Humphrey Bogart saying some shit? Because that's all they used to do back in the days. He used to just say shit. I don't know, like, I'm digressing, but I'm just going off and airing all these grievances I have at this point, because they're all unpopular opinions, because, like, I don't think Citizen Kane is one of the greatest movies of all time. I think it's a good movie, but to say it's the best movie of all time, like it is most of the time said to be, I think you are negating legitimately talented actors now that are better at acting than the entirety of everybody that acted in a movie before 1970 combined. I think Meryl Streep has more acting talent than any of those motherfuckers ever. And like, I'm a huge, yeah. huge Audrey Hepburn fan. I love me some Audrey Hepburn. When you really look at it, she's not really an amazing actress. She's kind of a standard actress for back in the day. They all just kind of do the same shit. And I think maybe, maybe that's my unpopular opinion. More so than just those three actors being the same roles. I'm tired of older actors being acclaimed for just being the same fucking character in every goddamn thing they've done. Maybe that's a more broader way of spanning it out. Yeah, you don't feel that they have shown the range that some other actors have shown, yet they get that, yet they have the status as if they have. But really, I get where you're coming from with that. Like a lot of those iconic actors and stuff, when you go back and look at some of their stuff, it's not everyone, but there are a lot of them, man. They have that iconic, I mean, iconic, godlike Hollywood status. And they're just the same person every time in every movie. I mean, like, you have... And there is some, tr there's some truth to what you're saying, man. There is. Like, Orson Welles is considered one of the greatest actors of all time. Daniel Day-Lewis destroys him in acting and doesn't even fucking think about it. That's true. <laughs> I mean, all these fucking people, they just, and I, I get it. Making movies back in the day was so much like more different than it is now. You used to sign like nine, 10 picture deals with the studio and they would just sit there and put you in movies back to back to back to back, just nonstop until your fucking contracts were done. And like, I mean, you would have like days between movie shoots and I get that. So you weren't really getting people investing and learning and in and, and, and researching roles and it's not like you know they had the ubiquitous amount of information we have now but that's all they would do is just crank out movies left and right and so much so that i feel like m movies back in the day were infinitely more cookie cutter than what we get now even the movies like the marvel movies and the star wars movies they get shat on for being like cookie cutter by the book formula movies I think have infinitely more variety than all these classic fucking movies. I mean, especially when you get into the history of some of these movies, it's a wonderful life. 
is considered a classic movie, especially a holiday Christmas classic movie now. When it was released, it was critically panned as garbage. Made fucking barely any money. Why is it a Christmas classic now? Because the networks like ABC, CBS, and all those needed programming around the holidays. Because it was such a flop, the rights to air it were dirt fucking cheap. So what did they do? They aired the dirt cheap movie because it was just cheap, easy programming around the holidays. Bam. People just were so fucking inundated and were forced because you you really only had three channels back then to watch that movie constantly if you were going to watch TV. If you were going to watch TV, you were going to have to watch It's a Wonderful Life around Christmas. What is it now? Holiday classic. What is it really? A piece of shit movie. I'm all kinds of fired up now. Man, or like somebody like John Wayne. Not only is he a racist son of a bitch. Fuck that racist piece of shit. (laughs) Not only is he a racist son of a bitch that in interviews was talking about white supremacy. But man, when has he ever played a nuanced character or played somebody that wasn't just a cowboy, look at the camera, shoot something and gallop along? When he played Genghis Khan. Oh yeah, and then he, yes, and then he did that. What the hell? And then even still, it was just John Wayne doing some dumb shit. Like, but man, he's like- It was John Wayne in yellow face. That's exactly what it was. Basically, and- and it makes me cringe anytime I go somewhere and I see posters of him up or, you know, he's heralded as like one of those Hollywood heroes. And he was terrible, you know. So, so there's a lot of truth to what you're saying, man. Like, it, there's so much truth to that. Yeah. No, I can see that, too. Well, just like what's one of those all time movies that everybody like talks about, especially of the Westerns? It's True Grit. John Wayne, True Grit. Everybody's like, fuck yeah, it's an amazing movie, all this other shit. The remake, better across the board. Way better. In every way, shape, or form. Yeah. It's just every conceivable way. The remake of True Grit is better. I mean, it has fucking acting. It has actual acting. People went in and played something new in that movie. Do you know what they didn't do in the original True Grit? Act. I mean, John Wayne literally did the same shit he's done in every movie he's ever done, including his movie as Genghis Khan. It's just, it's bonkers. Yeah. Fuck John Wayne. I got in a fucking argument with my fucking family <laughs> like a couple of weeks ago about John Wayne. It's like my grandfather died and all this other shit. So all this family's up here. We're talking about all the shit, all the shit, all the shit. And I'm like, fuck John Wayne. And my family's like, whoa, whoa, Sterling. Whoa. We understand, you know, you're all a liberal Chicagoan now and all this other shit. And I'm like, yeah, you just think that because, you know, you're from Texas. So obviously by default, I'm a liberal up here. But it's just like they're out of their, like they don't understand. And they're like, well, and they're like, well, I'm like, well, A, personally, he was a garbage human being. You know, he's a racist piece of shit. And they're like, well, Sterling, you got to think about the times. (laughs) You don't have to think about the times. When he went as far as he did saying that the white man is just superior to the black man in every conceivable way. That's just not a sign of the times. That's a sign of him being a fucking garbage right. person. Like, yeah, my family's the same way. Yeah. I hate that. The that you got to think like that. And I'm sorry, Heather, I know you haven't spoke much, so I'll make this quick, but I hate that expression 
well, what about the times? That the, those were just the times and all of that stuff. When I mean, does that work for every situation? Can we just excuse bad behavior and racist thoughts and things like that because of the times? I mean, I'm sorry, man, but you know, being a racist is like, aha, man, any time is a good time to call you a son of a bitch. And I mean, I'm sorry, but that's how I will always see that. And like, why is like, and why do we just have to forgive it? Because yeah, by just saying, well, just giving them a pass because of the time period it was in negates the fact that we've advanced as a society, you know, I mean, should we be able to just, you know, openly kill people? Because cavemen used to do that? Exactly. No, we still understand that killing is bad now, and we have progressed past that point as a society. Like the ancient Greeks and Romans, they used to fuck little boys. We have advanced as a society to understand that is wrong. And we don't give them a pass. We don't give them yeah. a pass for it. I mean, we, we well, I say that, exactly. yeah, we kind of do. We kind of do. We just always give the caveat of it. Like, oh, they advanced mathematics and philosophy and they did all these amazing things. And they fucked little boys. Like, shruggingly, we kind of pass that off. But, like, we still make sure we mention it. So, I mean, why can't we just say, sure, if you really like Western movies, I understand, I guess, why you love John Wayne. But then also give the caveat of, you know, and he did all that even though he was a racist piece of shit. At least say that. Even he, he did all those great movies, even though he was a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Say that. All right. I, I, yeah. I, I started this whole thing saying I wasn't going to be controversial. And I think I, we've seriously passed that line. <laughs> yes, we have. But just imagine somebody sitting there, like the Roman stuff that you were talking about. And yeah, all that stuff with little boys. Just imagine if somebody was sitting there and they went, well, yeah, they used to, you know, they, they used to find a little boys and stuff, but it was cool, man. You know, it was just the time. It was just the times. It was cool. Just imagine if somebody said that, like, mm. just imagine if somebody said that, like the shit storm they would be in today. If you said something like that, just imagine being like, yeah, it was cool, though, because, you know, that was just what they did in those times. So it was all right. I'm cool with it. Like, that would be a horrible thing to say. So why is this any different? Like, like you said, why does John Wayne, why do people like that get a pass? You know, just because I've got him on my wall and he looks cool in this cowboy hat. He gets a pass for being a garbage person. No, nah, man. You don't get a pass here. Not on Cinema Slayers. I mean, no pass, no go. It's be, and I think it's because <laughs> they're so dismissive of it. Like I said, they don't even want to openly acknowledge it. Like you can openly give them the out and say, "Hey, you can like John Wayne movies. Just admit he was a racist piece of shit." And they can't do that. You can't even give them like that little disclaimer of it's okay to like his movies. Just admit he was a racist piece of shit. They won't even do it. Come on. Like it's just yeah, just say it, guys. I mean, if you like him or you're a fan, just say it. Just say I like a racist person. It's cool. Just say it. You know, but just admit <laughs> it. Like, yeah, I'm a big fan of this racist person. That's cool. You know, all right. Hey, live it and own it. You know, he's on my wall because I like him, and he's a racist person, and I like him in spite of that. Just say it. Just say it. I mean, and maybe it's maybe it's that same mindset too of the people that are like, Oh, but it was just the times. Maybe that's why they're like thinking these like older, you know, distinguished, you know, 
actors or whatever that play the same characters, it's just like they're familiar with it. Like they're familiar with the racism or whatever. So maybe that's why they're also like, oh, but you have to think about, you know, the times and like for his time, he was the greatest. And so they just kind of still run with that. So I don't know if it's the same mindset or the same type of people that would be saying that for that. But yeah, it just feels like the same thing. It's more of like, oh, we're just familiar with it. So we're calling it the best kind of thing. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, we, we, we can use that same thing and go back to Sean Connery. Sean Connery, lots of people love him. Lots of people think he's great, especially because of James Bond. Has openly said in an interview that he thinks it's okay to put a woman in her place by giving her a slap. Is that okay? Like, or is that is, is mm-hmm. that okay because of the, the times? It was okay to hit women back in the day? To put them in their place? So are we, are we supposed to really forgive that now? And it's not like even back then, like back in the day... If you were a horrible person, it was so much easier to hide it than it is now. There are so many mm-hmm. eyes on a celebrity back then. Yeah. These people admitted this shit in interviews. So that means they knowingly they knowingly went on record saying, hey, hit women are cool. Or being racist is cool. Like openly on record said these things. So then why can't I use that against them? It's not like, you know, it was something that was found out about John Wayne. Yeah. Like... 50 years after his death. I don't know when the fucker died. I'm, you know what I mean? It wasn't like it was something that just came out years and years and years after he died. That like, oh, they magically found like his diaries where he just t- said a bunch of racist shit. Never said any of it out loud, but just wrote it all down in a journal. Nope. Openly said that to another person who was writing down what he said. And then that person took it and printed it with John Wayne knowing that that was the ultimate goal of what was happening. Come on. Published, dude. Hands were shaken and heads nodded. Man, come on, man, come on. You know, like there would be there would be nuance and and more understanding with, like I said, other situations. But it's it it, it it's not the same thing. I mean, for the most part, we can all agree that like just walking, like or just hitting a woman to put her in her place is considered a bad thing these days. It's considered a bad thing. Yet, like we're supposed to just forgive Sean Connery for having that mindset. Because for all I know, Sean Connery still has that mindset. I know of no examples of him not having that mindset still, you know? I mean, there's always a point in which we can learn and grow. And these people had those opportunities, and they still never changed their mindsets or can grow. So, like, why do they get a pass? Man, I love this episode. This okay. is a good one. Okay, I, like I looked it. it up. I looked it up. John Wayne died in 1979. If you at least just give him from 1960 to the day he died, so 19 years. So let's just say, for argument's sake, sign of the times or the time period and everything. That means essentially from the roundabout version of when the civil rights movement started till the day he died. I'm just generalization here was 19 years. He had 19 years to change with the times and did not. So that excuse is kind of null and void with him. He had the opportunity to change and he did not. Yeah, so this really just became my unpopular opinion is fuck old shit. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that old movies don't have a place. As conflicted as I am about it, I still do enjoy an Alfred Hitchcock movie. And I'm conflicted because he was a fucking terrible person. I mean, the shit he did to Tippi Hedren and Birds and shit like that was just nothing short of pure, unadulterated psychological torture. But fuck, I love the movie Birds. 
And it really is like I I have <laughs> I have a hard time within myself being able to enjoy the movie Birds because of the things that came out about him and especially about his actions on that movie set, especially towards Tippy Hedren. And a lot of it apparently had to do with, yeah, he wanted to get a certain type of acting performance out of her, but at the same time, he was a misogynistic piece of shit. Hmm. I need to read up on some of that. I did not realize yeah. this. HBO did this a very a great revelation about that. Me, so I'm glad you Okay. I need to see it then. Well, I'm glad you told me that. Damn. I mean, yeah, or it's just it's 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 random things like that. Like, honestly, I think Wizard of Oz is a better example of an older movie of being more timeless and transgressional and more important than Citizen Kane. And I broke everyone with that one. Oh, no, I was just going to I was just trying to give Heather a, a, a moment to jump in there. I feel I, I miss her voice. Um, but no, no, I, I, I can understand that, though, with The Wizard of Oz, because I mean, man, th- that that's still a relevant thing today. Like that's read in classrooms. There are still plays you can go and watch based on it. Uh, you know, there are still live shows that do the Wizard of Oz and there are music specials that still come on and everything like that. I mean, I, I can totally get that. I get that argument from you for sure. I don't see all this shit about Citizen Kane, you know, where's the Broadway Citizen Kane? Nowhere. But anything else, guys? Nope, I'm good. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out at www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Facebook at Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Cinema underscore Slayers. Let us know if you guys have any unpopular opinions or what you think about our uh, crazy ass unpopular opinions on this one. Um, We've got a lot of different stuff coming your way, especially because of this whole uh, quarantine type of situation going on. So we're definitely going to be still coming at you. Uh, with different things so let us know if there's any movies out there on a streaming service or something we might have missed or anything like that that you want us to talk about and just you know hit us up and we're still doing uh uh our our, our contest uh hit us up with some cues uh some questions uh for a q a and we'll answer those uh send in your designs for a voodoo shark tattoo and depending on how many we get and all this other stuff we'll put it up for a vote and i'll be getting that tattooed on me so uh check all that out And as always, guys, remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. Holy fuck.